Well, today I want to kick off a brand new series called Panic Attack. And you know, a panic attack is a sudden episode of intense fear that, is tri- that triggers a severe physical reaction. And it does so even when there is no real imminent danger. I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But although panic attacks themselves are not life-threatening, they can be very frightening and significantly affect the quality of your life. Maybe your palms get sweaty, your heart begins to race, you feel like you're about to have a heart attack, you feel like your chest is about to explode, you feel completely overwhelmed by whatever circumstance may be going on. And uh, in our nation over the last year or two, We've seen the, the rise of anxiety. I mean, not that we didn't have anxiety before, but, but uh, the, the uh, coronavirus and the pandemic has ushered us into a new state of anxiety. Americans are freaking out. Uh, a survey done by uh, a group called All Points North um, it indicated that a third of respondents reported having had a panic attack during the pandemic, or one in three people said they had had a, pan, a panic attack during the pandemic. And the CDC found that nearly one-third of respondents experienced symptoms of anxiety or depression in the last 30 days. Um, another study uh, among young people ages 18 to 24 reported that um, the number of people considering suicide in the last 30 days was an alarming 25%. Um, People are upset. People are worried. Uh, We have uh, uh, a global pandemic that is still raging. We thought that that was something that would kind of pass away. Uh, I remember the initial reports were like, you know, just for a few weeks, we're going to shut everything down and then we're going to get back to normal. And we were all like, hey, we can do this for a few weeks. And then a few weeks turned into a few months. And then now, you know, we're well beyond a year and uh, doctors are telling us that coronavirus is going to be a part of life in the 21st century and that uh, in one form or another, one variant or another, it's just going to be something that's around for a long time. Um, inflation, um, uh, global terrorism, um, the cost of living. Uh, we could go on and on and on about all of the social problems that are going on in our world. And this reminds us how much we need God. Today, I want to share with you a message of hope called Keep Your Head Up. Keep Your Head Up. I want us to look at Psalm chapter 3 because national crises are not new uh, to us in the 21st century. This is something that's been going on for many, many, many years. And uh, in Psalm chapter 3, we find that King David, the second king of Israel, is under attack. His kingdom is about to be taken from him. And unfortunately, it's about to be taken by his own son, Absalom. Uh, Absalom was an interesting, interesting character. He was uh, the third son of David. Um, he was a very charming guy. And, and if you look at 2 Samuel 14, 25, it gives a little commentary on Absalom. No man in all Israel was as handsome and highly praised as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the top of his head, he did not have a single flaw. I can't think of any Bible character that is described like that. I mean, Absalom was a hunky dude. 
I mean, he was the kind of guy that walked into the room and women began to swoon. Uh, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, he, he had a big, beefy body. He was charming. He was funny. He was smart. You know, I, I, kind of, I kind of anticipate maybe Absalom was voted most likely to succeed and most athletic of his high school graduating class. I mean, the, the, the dude had it going on. And, and uh, some people say um, that, he, you know, that he might be compared to somebody like Michael B. Jordan. He had so many, so many good looks or Mario Lopez or David Beckham. Um, the other day we went to the movies and I said, why are we at this movie? And my wife said, because Ryan Reynolds is in it. And I learned about the Holy Trinity of manhood, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling, and Ryan Heller. <laughs> That's according to my wife, okay? With me at the top of that, okay? Amen? Can I get a witness today? Come on now. Absalom had Ryan Reynolds type looks. People, people, people followed this guy. But his heart, his heart was turned against his father and against the things of God. And so every day he would go chum the waters. He would go and, and, and rally people against his father David. Now actually in the nation of Israel, there's a lot of peace. There's no wars going on at this time. Like Things are kind of good. David went through some rocky times. Everything's kind of peaceful, but now Absalom shows up, and he's going to try to rip the kingdom of Israel from his father. Psalm 3 is a song, it's a hymn that is written in the context of what David was going through. And there's a header in, in Psalm chapter 3 that says that this was written around the time that Absalom was trying to steal the throne. Now, things were so bad for David that David actually had to leave the city of Jerusalem and had he not had a spy in the camp of Absalom that was, that was undermining um, the, 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 the son uh, on behalf of David, he, David certainly would have lost the kingdom. But God worked a miracle. And David wrote a song about it. And I want us to look at this today because it helps us to understand how to keep our head up in times of adversity, in times of panic, in times of fear, in times of uncertainty. And the first point is simply this, I have a significant challenge. I have a significant challenge. Pressure is coming at us from all different angles. Now, you know the Bible is so real. Um, people that think that the Bible is a fairy tale are the people that have never read the Bible. Um, David tells it exactly like it is. In Psalm chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me. There is no help for him in God. So David's like, it's bad. Everybody's turned against me. My friends, the people that I thought have my back, they're now with him. And everybody's saying that God's forsaken me. And the enemies are growing. Like It feels like every single day, it's not good. And David has a huge challenge. Now, I love how he meets this challenge. The very first word of Psalm chapter 3 is what? is the word Lord. Do you see it? <clears throat> Lord. And, and how much better would our lives be if we cried out to God in prayer first whenever the bottom seems to fall out? The first thing we should do is call on the name of the Lord. 
Uh, many times we call a friend or we do a social media post when we're anxious, but what would it be like if we went to God first? And so, so David is, is beseeching God on behalf of his nation and, and himself, his own life. He has massive problems. You know, I'm convinced that problems come in packs. It's not just one problem. You know, your boss is, is upset with you because you're not getting your, you're not meeting your quota, your best friends uh, crossways with you, your dog dies, and you're having trouble paying your bills all in the same week, you know? And, and you're kind of praying, you're like, Lord, could I just have one problem? If, if I just had one problem, I could deal with it. Problems come in packs. David's problems are coming in packs. There are multitudes of people that are stabbing him in the back that are undermining his leadership and authority, and he doesn't know uh, what to do. And he calls on the name of the Lord. And you notice the word many. Uh, the word many in verses 1 and 2 describe the abundance of people that are against him. I mean, the odds are staggering. Everyone is, is, is going with Absalom. Uh, everybody is betraying David. And David's enemies believed uh, that God... Couldn't even help him. I mean, is there any sadder commentary on somebody's life than, you know what? He's beyond the Lord's help. <laughs> Look at that there in verse 2. There is no help for him in God. Uh, sometimes people will write that commentary over our lives, but nothing could be further from the truth. With Jesus, all things are possible, and there is no person that is beyond the help of God. Nobody's beyond the help of God. I mean, things may look bad. Things may feel bad. You may be saying, Pastor, you don't even know what I'm going through today. But listen, you are never beyond the help of God. Romans chapter 8 says, if God is for us, who could what? Who could be against us? Yeah, who could be against us if God's, if God's for us? And it, it's just never too late for God. Now, there's a beautiful transition here between verses 1 and 2 and verse 3. And in verse 1 and 2, David is acknowledging the problem. I got lots of enemies and it's bad. But in verse 3, he transitions and he begins to talk about the greatness of God. Let me give you a recipe for discouragement. Focus on your problems. Focus on the people that are hurting you. Focus on the things that are keeping you up late at night. Focus on those things. That's the recipe for destruction. David acknowledges the problem, but he doesn't dwell there. Psalm chapter 3 is eight verses. Two verses go to the bad guys. Six verses go to the greatness of God. Listen, your problems would be less if your view of God would be greater. If you would begin to think more about the greatness of God... Your, your enemies and your problems would begin to be smaller. But when we think about our problems all the time, our problems get magnified and our God begins to shrink. So in verse 3, he begins to transition. He begins to talk about the greatness of God. Look at this. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. And he says, I have divine resources. I got big problems, but I have divine resources. Do you see it? I know in your life, you got some big problems, but can I encourage you today? You can keep your head up because you have some divine resources. You have some things from God 
They're going to help you get through the things that you're going through. And one of those divine resources is that God is a shield around you. Look there in verse 3. He says, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. Around me. Uh, David's only defense is the Lord. David highlights the fact that this shield is around him. The word in the Hebrew language means that this shield encompasses uh, David on the top, the bottom, the sides, all the way around. It's not like just like a little shield that he holds up in front of him, but there is a massive barrier that surrounds him all the way around so that the attacks of the enemy cannot come from the top or the bottom or the side, but he is surrounded by the presence and the power of, of God. We have a, a lot of attacks. We have attacks from the devil. We have attacks from the flesh, which is our own self, our own temptation. We have attacks from the world, from without, from others. But we have a great shield, and that shield is the Lord. And he says, secondly, we got another divine resource. That, that is that God is the lifter of our head. Some of you know that I love to coach youth basketball. One of the things I'm always working with the boys on is when you come out of the game and maybe you made a bad play or you turned the ball over a few times. You know, I don't, I don't pull kids out when they make one mistake, but if you make three mistakes in 30 seconds, you got to come out, right? So a lot of times a kid will come out and he's looking at the ground and he's kind of discouraged and he's, you know, got kind of a nervous twitch and he's got his head down and all that. And, and I always tell the boys, listen, hold your head up. When you come off the court, stick your chin up, stick your chest out and run off the court like a champion because you're going to get back in the game. You just got to come sit for a minute and then I'm going to put you back in. Keep your head up. Because when your head is down, you get discouraged. When your head is down, you don't have the courage that you need to, to get back in the game. And David says that God is the lifter of his head. Listen, I want to remind you today, you serve a great God. And God is the one that's going to help you keep your head up. If you will stay focused on him, he will lift your head. You may be thinking, well, if I just had more people encouraging me, you know, I would, I would keep my chin up more. I need more encouragement. You know, we all need more encouragement, and we all love encouragement. But David understood something that was so profound. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, um, it speaks of David going through another adversity. It says, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because of the soul of all of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and, and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. So people want to stone David in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And what does David do? David encourages himself in the Lord. Now listen, if you're going to keep your head up, you have to learn the discipline of encouraging yourself. Well, how do I do that? You, you remind yourself every day, of who God is, that's God's nature, that's God's character, the fact that God is love, that God is power, that God is strength, that God is justice, that God is grace. I'm reminding myself of who God is and also what God has done. And when you begin to get your mind set 
on the things of God, you will encourage yourself. So that's why it's so important to have a prayer time and to have a little Bible reading time every day. Because you know what that is? That is time for you to encourage yourself in the Lord. And if you'll encourage yourself in the Lord, you'll keep your chin up, even though things may be hard, things may be bad. It's a sign of confidence. And our confidence is not in ourself, but our confidence is in the Lord. It's in the Lord. And uh, so he says, God is the lifter of my head. God is a shield. Here's a third asset that we have from the Lord. God answers my prayers. I mean, come on. I mean, you may feel like you're just praying and talking words. And is God really listening? David says this in verse 4. I cry aloud to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I mean, God is answering me. Uh, that he uses this term cry aloud. Sometimes we pray silently. Sometimes we pray privately. There, there, there is a time and a place where we ought to cry out to God. We ought to speak to God. We, 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 we ought to, to, to lift our voices to God to cry out to him in passionate supplication. And crying out to God is not just a casual prayer. He says, listen, when I am crying out to God, God is the one who is answering me. I love what Pastor Mark Batterson says about prayer in his book, Draw the Circle. He says, we should have a holy anticipation when we pray. Like we are expecting that God is going to answer. Like we're expecting that God is about to move. I am expecting that some breakthrough is about to happen. I have a holy anticipation. And he goes on and he says, if you will seek God, opportunities will seek you. Opportunities will come and hunt you down if you'll become a seeker of God. So when God is your shield, he lifts your head, he answers your prayers, and you know what I can do? I can rest. I mean, this is the next thing that he says in verse 5. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Sleeping, sleeping in the middle of anxiety is a blessing. Have you ever been up late at night because you couldn't sleep? Have you ever tossed and turned in the bed for hours and hours and hours because you were anxious? Something was on your mind. You couldn't let it go. David says, you know what? I prayed. God answered me. And I slept like a baby. I slept better than I've ever slept before. Now you would think that David would be disrupted by every little sound. People are coming and trying to hunt him down. They're going to they're gonna take his life. He's got all these foes that have turned against him. I don't think I'd be resting as well. David says, you know what? <laughs> I'll lie down and sleep. I'll sleep. Sometimes we can't sleep because we're worried about unjust criticisms or bad choices that our kids have made or misunderstandings. But, but, but when we can't sleep, we need to turn to God. And let me tell you why you can rest well tonight. You can rest well because, because God is the one who never slumbers. Did you know that? God is the one who never sleeps. 
You can rest because God is at work. God is at work in your life at 3 o'clock in the morning. God is at work at 6 a.m. God is at work at lunch. God is at work in the evening time. And the reason you can rest is because God is always working. Psalm 121 verse 4 says, Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. So you can rest because God is busy. In fact, Jesus was asleep in the middle of a storm in Mark chapter 4. The disciples thought he was just unconcerned about the raging waves and the winds that were attacking the boat. No, Jesus just had peace in his life. He was, he was sleeping in the middle of a, of a storm. He was sleeping in the storm. Peter was asleep in prison in Acts chapter 12. Listen, when the Lord is working in your life, you can sleep even though all hell is breaking loose against you. You can do it. You can do it. And he also says, I can get up. Now, it also takes some confidence to get up out of bed in the morning because sometimes you get so depressed and so down. It's hard to get up, isn't it? Hard to get out of that bed, face another day. It's easier to just pull the covers over your head, kind of live in denial. He says, I can get up. Psalm 3, verse 5, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. So David sleeps and he wakes up and he sees both as the power and the presence of God in his life. And then he says, as a result of that, I will not fear. I will not fear. I will will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. So when God's your shield, he lifts your head, he answers your prayers, you can rest, you can sleep, you can get up, and you don't have to be afraid because God's with you. Uh, number three is this. I, I have great expectations. Now, I, I know you have some great problems, and I know you have some divine resources, but the end result of that is that you have great expectations for what God is about to do. And this is where David kind of brings everything together in this psalm of praise in verse 7. Rise up, Lord, save me. My God, you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. There's some bold imperatives there. I mean, David is like, he's like telling God. I love the passion here. He's telling God, God, I need you to get busy. Sometimes we're too nice with our prayers. Maybe we should be more bold. In our, in our asking for God to intervene in our circumstance. Rise up, Lord. Save me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the cheek. There's an urgency. Do it now, Lord. He's telling God what he needs him to do. And I love this because he says, strike all my enemies on the cheek. Sometimes we pray to just survive David is praying a prayer of thriving. Listen, I I don't want you to just survive. I want you to thrive. I don't want you to just kind of skate by. 
David's vision for his life was not, I'm going to hide under a rock the rest of my life and, 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 you know, just hope for the best. He's like, Lord, wipe out all the enemies. I want the throne back. I want to be victorious over Absalom. I want to thrive. I don't want to just kind of survive. I, I don't want to just get by. I want you to do something awesome. Now, this prayer is something else, isn't it? I mean, look at this right here. He says, break the teeth of the wicked. How many times have you prayed that before? Most of the time, most Christian people, this is how we pray. We're like, Lord, please send a rainbow. Lord, I need unicorns, doves, peace, joy, love. Lord, help me to feel good today. Give me some sunshine on my face. That, 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 that's kind of the tone of our prayers. When's the last time that you said, Lord, break their teeth? You know? I mean, just bust them up, Lord. Come on now. I mean, this is quite a prayer. You break the teeth of the wicked. Strike all my enemies on the cheek. I think David uh, prayed this prayer because he understood that vengeance belonged to God, not to him. See, David understood that God is the one that settles the score. So see, when people put you down, when people talk smack about you on social media, when people gossip about you at the office, when you go to family gatherings and people belittle you, you just remember this. God is the one who settles all scores. This is why Christians don't have to be vengeful, why we don't have to be bitter and angry we believe that God makes all things right. We trust God. Now, Absalom is going to get what's coming to him. But it's not because of David, it's because of God. Do you trust God to take care of your enemies? You don't have to take people out. You don't have to crush people's teeth because you know what? If some teeth crushing needs to happen, the Lord is fully capable. You just let God, you just let God handle that. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's, that's, that's one of the great verses of the Old Testament right there. Just remember it. Just remember it. And so he's saying, Lord, you take out the vengeance so that I don't kill those guys, so that I don't do it. Okay? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I trust God to settle all scores. And then in verse 8, he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessings be on your people. In other words, a person cannot save themselves. God is the only one who can save somebody. Do you believe it? It's not a denomination. It's not a political party. It's not a socioeconomic class. God alone is the one who saves God alone is the one to save. May blessings be on your people. And God is the one that will save you today. God's the one that's going to rescue you in and through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, rose from the grave on the third day. So listen, we don't have to, we don't have to live by intense fear. We don't have to be people that are captured by panic, phobias, uncertainties, 
triggers. Because we serve a great God. We can keep our head up today because we got some divine resources. God is the shield about us. He's the lifter of our head. He's the one that answers our prayers. He's the one that emboldens our lives. And we can love and we can trust him. Would you pray with me for just a minute?